Adventure, it's good to see you today. I feel like it might be good just to take a moment and reflect on that video. If you're joining us from home, I'm so glad you're with us today. You might just want to take a moment, if you're a husband and wife on a couch together, just process that conversation just a little bit. Those of us in the room as well, we want to leave today like we are every one of these weeks in this Family Matters series with some real practical next steps. What do we do with this information? Maybe there's a good conversation that's going to happen between husbands and wives coming out of this time together. Yeah, so welcome to week three of Family Matters, this series we're in right now. We're talking about matters of the family because families matter. This week is all about marriage. This is Marriage Matters Week, and I hope you leave today with a very practical next step. When I think about healthy marriages... um, Maybe you can relate to me on this. I'd invite you right now to picture a marriage that you think of when I say successful marriage. And I just wonder, I wonder if you might like me be picturing somebody, can I use the word cute to describe a couple? An older couple, he's shuffling with his walker, she pats his hands and finishes his sentence, right? This is a couple that has walked together for life. This is a couple that has some scars in their marriage. This is a couple who's seen a few things, they've lived a few things, they have stories to tell. I'm actually describing in my mind's eye right now a specific couple that comes to my mind. Years ago, I served a church down in Bloomington, Indiana, Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. We did this thing back in the day where we did a Wednesday night meal midweek, and it was like a church with a bunch of generations. We all came together on Wednesday night. I had a whole bunch of high school kids, and we're kind of doing that. But before that, we'd gather together for a meal, and I'd walk around, and I'd visit with some folks in our church, including this couple that I just described. They were cute. She finished his his sentences, patted his hands. He shuffled around in his walker. He had this running gag going. He he would kind of throw this at me all the time. He'd ask me, have you ever had my wife's chocolate chip cookies? And then he'd talk on and on and on and on about the quality of these chocolate chip cookies. And apparently it was a thing in their marriage. Like every birthday, every anniversary, family gatherings, Christmas, Easter, you name it, chocolate chip cookies, that's the name of the game. It was almost rude, actually, because people are cooking meals for the dinner, and he would actually pick on them and say, these chocolate chip cookies are good, but they're not as good as my wife's. Have you ever had my chocolate chip cookies that my wife makes? Okay, they just celebrated like a 60-year wedding anniversary. We'd been talking about such things, and he shuffled off to use the restroom with his walker. She's left behind. And I looked at her and I said, tell me the secret. What is the secret of 60 years of marriage? How do you do that? And then I kind of joking, I said, is it the cookies? She said, it's not the cookies. And then she kind of did one of these conspiratorial kind of, you know, leans in a little bit. He talks on and on about those cookies and, and uh, you know, the, the recipe that's secret. I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. She says, it, it's the recipe from the back of the Nestle Toll House chocolate chip cookie bag. And then she said this, it's not about the cookies. It's about investment. An investment of time and intentionality. I sat down. A couple of weeks ago with a sweet couple in our church, Mark and Sally Groff. Some of you know them. Malcolm Gladwell says that if you want to become a subject matter expert on any given topic, you need to invest 10,000 hours in that. 
That's like five years of full-time work if you do the math. Sally Groff is a marriage and family counselor, a subject matter expert. She's been serving uh, families all over our area for years now. And I sat down with them. We kind of picked their brain. What's the secret of a healthy marriage that's designed to go the distance? If you're a note taker, I would invite you right now to pull your notes out. There are some nuggets of wisdom you're going to want to write down right now as we listen to them. Mark and Sally Groff, check this out. Mark and Sally, thank you for doing this today. Let's make sure we all know one another. Mark and Sally Groff have been a part of our church for how long? Since uh, 2004. Yeah. So April 2004. So we're talking about marriage today, but before we dive into that, what do we do for a living, Mark? You're yeah, real estate uh, investor and realtor. And Sally? So I'm a marriage and family therapist. I love it. Run Groff & Associates, which I know Venture sends a lot of folks our direction. Um, there are 16 clinicians. We are considered kind of an integrative healthcare. Yeah, just love to take care of people with their mental, physical, and emotional health. You guys have been married for how long? 22 years as of August. Yeah. So many, many years and many, many days of counseling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mark. Being married to yeah. a therapist, uh, I'm it's, sure. It's are. rough. We met at the RCA Tennis Championships. Yeah. RCA Outdoor off the IUPUI's campus. Okay. And uh, we were both uh, ticket sales and information. Went on a date yeah. uh, in August. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be tournament. lunch, and then we were going to do tennis or a, a bike ride, but it turned out to be a 12-hour date. Here Very we are 22-plus years later. Yeah. How many kids do you have? We have two. Mm -hmm. So Justin is 18 and will be graduating this May uh, from Fishers High School. And then Leslie is 16 and she's also a sophomore at Fishers High School. Highs and lows of marriage. We've had kind of an add-on where we are entrepreneurs. Like, so we own, we're business owners together and we have marriage as a part of this in raising our family together. So that has added probably some unique complexity at times where, you know, how do you keep those boundary lines of running the business and taking care of the family? And we've had some rough times with that. I mean, when you're entrepreneurs, you know, life goes up and down just. Right. Well, and the ups and downs, you know, finances and communication and sexual intimacy and, you know, quality time, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you are so busy. So there's a lot of things that can impact on a daily basis. There's a lot of, I think, worldly influences that really make marriages feel fragile just because we're just bombarded with so much in the world and trying to raise our kids well that sometimes I think marriage just gets sidelined. Yeah. It's not, I don't think any couple ever intends for that to happen, but I think when you're just so dealing with things in the world and trying to stay steady in that, it's tough. And marriages can't always take the forefront. And yeah. Usually what I see um, is most marriages before they come to one counseling session has probably been in seven years worth of marital distress. It could be infidelity, it could be um, sexual addiction, it could be addiction and substance use, um, it could be child rearing and how differentiated they are in that. You know, just a lot of things that I feel like try to divide and conquer what God created. In marriage. What we found in the research is that most couples spend less than 30 minutes a week with each other and that we see in just in in quality time and one-on-one -on -one communication without interruption. 
30 minutes a week, not a day, a week. a week. And the goal is, I think, six hours. Yeah, five to six hours a week, which is huge. And considering where Mark and I have been, I, we, we have had that hardship. We know what that's like when you were trying to run businesses and You've raise got two kids. And trying to kill it, you're out in the marketplace oh, making things happen. Oh, yeah. You, you can really end up You can end up missing each other. And I think that's what really a lot of couples end up with is neglect. And so they go running towards things to get their needs met when they're not getting their needs met from their partner. And that's where the betrayal, the lack of trust, all those things start to break down. And then it becomes in my camp to try to resurrect something that has been really lost for quite some time. Everyone brings uh, to a marriage their baggage. Mm -hmm. And you know, if they had a rough uh, childhood, they're bringing it into the marriage. If they didn't take care of it you know, when they were younger, or before they get to the you know 20s, then it's going to impact uh, their daily life in their marriage. And that's a great point because Mark and I, this is a second marriage for us. So okay. yeah. I was widowed. Um, Mark divorced. Um, we both really see the high value of marriage and, and Christ at the center of that. We both come from divorced families, um, so we've had trauma in our experience. I have a father who has mental illness. Um, he had a stepfather who had substance abuse issues. I mean, it's not like we, we went through this without being unscathed ourselves. Like he said, we come with our own baggage. Every marriage, you know, goes through good days and bad days. Tell me about a day in the Groff family that, you know, it becomes that picture you hang on the wall. Wow, um, there's probably several of those. Um, you know, really, like, intentionally um, planning the day, a walk or bicycle uh, ride, and, and spending quality time with Sally, and, and really talking about what she's gone through in the last day or two with her life and counseling. Uh, she doesn't share any names, of course, but just what she's dealing with. It really is time. It's not spending the amount of money. It's not spending thousands and thousands of dollars, but it's just time and just having conversation about life and the struggles about life and, and the good, bad, and ugly. So it's really time. So Don and I will celebrate 26 years of marriage uh, this May. And I'm, I'm thinking back to that era that we were dating uh, right before we got married. Do, do you guys know who Harry Connick Jr. is? The, um, he's a singer, of course. We have a whole generation. My kids know him because he was, uh, I think, a judge on American Idol for a number of years. And he uh, he had a song when we were dating, and I don't mean to be crass, um, we'll keep it PG-13. We're talking about marriage. But the song was The Recipe for Making Love. Of course, that was double entendre. Um, but it was... It was, it was a lighthearted song talking about, you know, what, what are the ingredients that go into a spicy relationship, a healthy relationship. So, talk about those. What are the ingredients that go into healthy marriages? Communication. I think grace. Okay. Forgiveness. Back up real quick. Communication to each other, communication yeah, to the kids. Communication with each other. Okay. Yes. Communication and the other one you said grace? Yes, yes, grace. grace. In a sentence, what do you mean by grace? Um, undeserved merit. Okay, okay, all right. What else? What are the healthy ingredients? Praying together on a daily basis. I think love. You gotta love self, gotta love others, gotta love God, number one. 
Okay. Peace. Peace uh, uh, as a verb, as a noun. Peace. peace what's peace? Um, definitely a verb. You know, you, you got tranquility in the household. And so, yeah, harmony, definitely, for sure. I think health. I think, you know, having a, a purview of living a healthy lifestyle is. Healthy a, physically, healthy emotionally. Yeah. I think that, healthy spiritually, yeah, I think all of those aspects need to be playing holistic. a part. Yeah, yeah it's holistic. a holistic experience and I think it's an inside out job. Okay. You got to take care of yourself so you can take care of others and especially take care of your spouse. Okay. And to do that in the longevity, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yep. So we're aiming at healthy marriage, we're aiming at sweet marriage, those ingredients and probably some others. Love, I mean, it's, it's a... Uh, that agape you gotta really love your mate well yeah well thank you guys so much for your time today i appreciate you and i know our church family does as well thank you yeah could we just show our appreciation a thank you for a great conversation there there's several things from that conversation that kind of jump out at me did you catch when they said that uh, marriage is a marathon it's not a sprint Remember the sweet couple I had a conversation with? I told you that story a bit ago. And she said, oh, this is the recipe for the cookies. It's on the back of the thing. And I Googled uh, that recipe just this past week. And I brought it up uh, here on the screen. I want to show you. These are the, uh, it's down here, the, the, the ingredients and the recipe for the Toll House uh, chocolate chip cookies. And I don't know if you can see this from there or not, but uh, it, it's like made for dummies. That's what this is about on the internet. And so the level it says here is this is easy. Listen, there's nothing easy about marriage. Marriage can be very difficult. We have to work at it, right? The prep time here is 15 minutes, and then you cook it for nine minutes, and that yields five dozen cookies. You know, I, I picked Sally's brain about the ingredients for a healthy marriage, and you heard them rattle several of those off there. So I thought maybe we would have a little bit of fun with this today. Uh, when I put this on last hour, I got a cat call. Somebody whistled at me, and then I realized, hey, Dawn's not even in this hour. That's something that she would do. But uh, she didn't so much, it wasn't her, it was somebody else. I think it was a dude that was just awkward. And so we'll, uh, we'll move on. But I wanted to make some cookies. And uh, we're going to have the ingredients here for chocolate chip cookies. And each one of them I'm going to make a little point about. We're going to tie it to healthy marriages. Fair enough? So if you're taking notes, uh, you can learn how to cook chocolate chip cookies as if you don't know how to do that. We can also focus on healthy marriages here by correlation. I'm going to encourage you, listen, you're going to leave today with a practical next step. I'm going to challenge you to do something coming out of, this out of this message to invest in your marriage. Remember, it's not about the cookies. It's about the investment of time and intentionality. And we're going to leave you with a very specific action step. But for today's purposes, you might, as you experience this, you might pick one, one ingredient that this week in your marriage you're going to double down on, and you're going to do some work in that area. So let's make some chocolate chip cookies together, shall we? If you're making chocolate chip cookies, the first ingredient is always sugar, right? Have you seen the movie Elf? Do you like 
Um, maple syrup, is there sugar in it? Yes, 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 I like that. If you're making uh, cookies, you got to do uh, three quarters of a cup of white sugar. You got to do three quarters of a cup of brown sugar. You're supposed to pack it in there real good. That's always fun when you're making the cookies. That seemed about the right amount to me. Love, right? That's the first ingredient in marriage here. Love is sweet. Sugar is sweet. Sugar is what you put into the, the dough to make it sweet to the taste. It's the same with love. As we talk about love in marriage, we're talking about love, first of all, toward Jesus. If we're talking about Christian marriage, come on, he's center. It begins and it ends with Jesus, love for him. Second, love for yourself. Do you love yourself well? And then love for your spouse, of course. Love, it makes the marriage sweet. I am. Um, I've got this bracelet. Maybe you've noticed I wear this sometimes on my arm. My wife, Dawn, made this for me during the height of the, the lockdown. She was doing a craft with the kids. They all made these leather bracelets. And she took this. She's made a number of these for me over the years. And she's literally just stamped the word loved on there. And I love to wear this. It's a reminder. I look down at my wrist. It's a reminder that I am loved. I love that. And that brings a sweetness to the marriage that I so appreciate, her intentionality in that area. This is a good one to start with as we talk about love. This is the easy one, right? I mean, we don't usually get married without having first fallen, right? We even use that language, fallen in love. We even have a nursery rhyme. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby in the baby carriage. I'm sure you know that one. The key to a marriage, though, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. A key to a successful marriage is not the falling in love part. That happens. The key to a successful marriage is staying in love. And in order to do that, that takes nurturing love. Are you nurturing the love, the sweetness in your marriage? You should. The Bible talks about love. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 says it this way, do everything in love. Listen. As you approach your marriage this week, is everything you're doing, does it begin and end with love? Love for Jesus, love for yourself, love for your spouse. Ephesians chapter 4 says it this way, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Listen, marriage is hard. There's a lot of bearing up, right, with one another. Are you doing it in love? 1 Peter chapter 4, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Are there sins in your marriage? You're sinning against each other. Maybe there's a multitude of them. What do you cover them over with this week? You don't cover them up. You cover over with love. Remember the key to a successful marriage is not falling in love. It's staying in love. And that takes nurturing love. Are you doing that? Do it this week. Number two, as we're making our chocolate chip cookies, uh, as we're going to mix up the batter here, what brings a little bit of grr to the recipe, the bite, if you like your cookies uh, crunchy, which I don't know why you would. That's not the kind of cookies that Jesus would make. But uh, 
if you like them crunchy, you need some flour in there. If you like them chewy, this is what you're chewing on, right? This is the substance of the cookie. Grace. Grace brings substance to your marriage. Grace. Do you have a grace-filled marriage? 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says it this way, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. By the way, this is Jesus directed toward us. But we carry that same principle into marriage. Do we carry that same principle into marriage? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me and be evidenced in and through the grace that I yield toward my spouse. Maybe you should approach your marriage this week with this thriving marriage prayer. Every day, prayer, prayer similar to this. Father God, your grace is always sufficient. No matter what my spouse and I face tomorrow, your grace is enough. Your grace sustains. Your grace is sufficient. But how about one to another? Do you give and receive grace well as a couple? Oh, let's narrow the focus, not just as a couple, but you specifically. Do you give grace well? Do you receive grace well? If not, honest evaluation there, maybe that's an action step this week. Here's the action step. We always assume the best out of our spouse. But when the best doesn't manifest itself, a thriving marriage is quick with this next ingredient, uh, and that, of course, in your marriage is forgiveness. For our chocolate chip cookies, that next ingredient is one teaspoon of salt. Might I encourage you, your marriage needs a whole lot more than a teaspoon of forgiveness. Because we sin. We err against one another. By the way, this forgiveness, this is deeper than a pardon. Salt... Salt strengthens the dough. Forgiveness strengthens a marriage. Ephesians chapter 4 says it this way, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ. Well, he forgave you. A Bible story that stuck out to me when I was a kid. Remember this, when Jesus is having a conversation with Peter, and Peter says, how many times am I supposed to forgive people? And Jesus replies with, as a child, sitting where you're sitting right now, I remember pulling out, my notepad and doing the math real quick. He said 70 times 7. I did the math, 490. That almost feels like an absurd amount, right? But isn't this the point? We're to never stop forgiving. Jesus makes the point very clear that unless we forgive others, our Father in heaven will not forgive us. He says this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. He puts it this way, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Men, before you point at your wife and say, he's talking about men, that's mankind there, right? Not just men being forgiven, but all of us. We're supposed to forgive one another, men and women. But maybe you think, but what if my spouse does something, something that's unforgivable? Well, Jesus never said that forgiving was meant to be easy. He did say that we need to forgive over and over again. There was no caveat that said you, uh, you forgive your spouse when they deserve it only or forgive them only if they ask for forgiveness. Listen, this is serious business. Forgiving your spouse doesn't mean sweeping issues under the rug and saying, hey, thanks for letting me know. Uh, just don't let it happen again. No, forgiveness does not mean forgetness. 
Being forgiven does not mean that your spouse will just forget about whatever required that act of forgiveness, right? Depending on the situation, it may take a time of healing, a time of rebuilding the trust that you once had. I love this quote from uh, author of Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren. He says this, many people are reluctant to show mercy because they don't understand the difference between trust and forgiveness. Forgiveness is letting go of the past. Trust has to do with future behavior. Then he goes on and says forgiveness must be immediate, whether or not a person asks for it. Trust may be rebuilt over time. Trust requires a track record. If someone hurts you repeatedly, you're commanded by God to forgive them instantly. But if you're not expected to, but you are not expected to trust them immediately. And you're not expected to continue allowing them to hurt you. This doesn't mean that you hold on to this like a trump card and play it every chance you get. There's some marriages that are being hurt over and over again by that. That totally goes against Jesus' point of 70 times 7. But remember, God has forgiven you more times than you will ever have the opportunity to forgive your spouse. Number four, this is the fun part of baking the chocolate chip cookies. This is the eggs. I've got brown eggs here. I don't know why brown eggs seem to have a... Um, thinner shell. Have you noticed that when you're cooking? I don't know why that is. Somebody knows that and probably can tell me later. I got the brown healthy kind here because this represents health in a marriage. Health. You heard Mark and Sally talk about health just a bit ago. Health spiritually, healthy physically. It's PG-13, I know, but health sexually speaking as well. If you ever read through the book Song of Solomon, I would encourage you to do that, especially if you're married together sometime. The Song of Solomon says it this way, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Waters cannot wash it away. There's this temptation throughout history to take the Song of Solomon and say, oh, this is all allegory. We sang this song when I was a kid, his banner over me is love. Somehow this is supposed to be Jesus' love for the church. And it is, I think, there's our allegorical nature to the Song of Solomon. But I also think it's a very steamy love letter between a young husband and a young wife. You're looking for some health in marriage, maybe a little spice. Might I encourage you, your next date night, simply read the Song of Solomon together and ask the questions. Is he talking about, does he mean, is that what this is? Yeah, probably so. Have that conversation and see where it goes. Number four, health. Number five, communication. Communication. And in our recipe, this is the softened butter, right? I was supposed to leave this out for a while and get it nice and soft. It goes in the batter just like that. It's supposed to be, uh, I believe, a full cup, which they tell me is two sticks of butter. Seems like a lot, but there you go. It's also a pure vanilla extract. I don't know if you know this or not. You probably do. You're way smarter than I am. But there are imitation versions of both of these. I'm literally standing in the store looking at this and realizing that um, I could get fake butter, they call it margarine. I could also get fake vanilla extract. It's not real, it's imitation. And I bet a real baker would say it probably just doesn't quite taste as good and I'm sure it's probably not quite as healthy. 
It's the same with communication. You ever settle for texting when really what your marriage is designed for is a sit-down, face-to-face dinner? Real conversation. Real communication one to the other. I'm literally standing in the store buying these things. I've been texting Dawn saying, hey, listen, do we have uh, milk? Do we have uh, vanilla extract? She didn't reply immediately to my text, and so I left her a voicemail message. She was busy. I get up to the checkout line, and ladies, I bet you already know this about me. I cannot do two things at the same time. Dawn called me back in that moment, and I, I'm literally on the phone with her, and I had asked her the question, now she's answering the question, and I'm trying to pay, I think I tried to swipe my uh, health insurance card. I, I literally couldn't get it to go through, and finally I just said, I was frustrated, I said, babe, I've got to call you back. People are waiting. I, I just was overwhelmed in that moment. I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. I get out to my truck, and I pick up the phone, and I call her, and I said, oh, I'm sorry about that. That was... And she said, well, actually, I'm kind of glad that happened because, dude, you do this to me all the time. <laughs> you call me when I'm in the store trying to get some stuff done, and you just want to chat, and we're talking, and I'm, I'm kind of focused trying to get something done here. And she said, I, it kind of, it's good that that happened, and it raised a conversation, and I responded with, oh, I'm glad you told me that. I'll stop doing that. I'll stop just chatting. I just assume you're wanting to fill time because, of course, you love me and you want to talk with me, right? <laughs> That's a good thing, a good communication piece to have. Don't settle for the imitation. Go for the real. Let me real quick share with you some communication principles. First of all, words matter. They do. Be careful with your words. Proverbs chapter 12 puts it this way. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Are you hurting? Are you literally stabbing a sword through your spouse's heart? Be careful with your words. Watch your words. That's another principle here. Psalm 19 says this way, uh, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of my mouth. Watch your words. How about this one? Restraint equals knowledge. That's the kind way to say it. The more blunt way to say it is, know when to shut up, right? Know when to stop talking. Solomon, in Proverbs, uses more flowery language when he says in Proverbs 17, whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Watch your words. Here's one. Listening is communicating. So often we think we need to talk more. Oftentimes we're called to listen more. Sometimes we're supposed to speak up. Listen, I'm going to give you an action step here in a little bit. You need to come and be a part of that. Uh, It's about active listening. You're going to be coached, and you're going to learn some real skills here for your marriage. Proverbs 18 says it this way, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and his shame. The Lord gave us two ears and a mouth for a reason. Open your ears to what your spouse is saying. Open your eyes to how your spouse is saying it, and practice speaking less and listening more. How about this one? Guard your anger. James chapter 1 says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Nothing shuts down good communication more than mad shouting. All right, let's get to the good stuff here, right? I don't know about you, but uh, if I'm having chocolate chip cookies, the recipe calls for two cups, but come on. You dump the whole bag in there, right? 
and you stir it up real good. The chocolate chip cookies is kind of what we're all about here. Um, this is living in harmony with each other. This is peace. This is what truly makes the cookie the cookie, and maybe this is exactly what we're aiming at with marriage as well. Let me real quick share with you six ways to create peace in your marriage. Number one, ask the Lord to soften your heart. Not just your spouse's. Toward his word, toward his spirit's convictions, and also toward your spouse. Ezekiel 36 says it this way, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. There's some marriages, there's some coldness, some cold as stone hearts going on there. Not only does God want to do this spiritually speaking for all of us, but I suspect he wants to breathe new life into your marriage as well. Number two, want more peace? How about you forgive? We already talked about that. That's one of the ingredients, but it bears repeating. Forgive, yes, again, even if they're not sorry. Number three, if you want peace, how about this? Serve them and not just serve your own desires. In other words, go out of your way for them. Jesus modeled this. Mark chapter 10, he said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How about this one? Leave the past there. The present is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Stop bringing up the past and throwing it in your spouse's face. How about number five? Treat them like you'd like to be treated. The golden rule applies to marriage as well. Do everything. Do it to others as you would have them do it to you. And also in Philippians chapter 2, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Imagine. Imagine. If you started doing this in your marriage, how things could change this week, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Last but definitely not least, if you want more peace in your marriage, pray for everything and at all times. Ephesians chapter 6 puts it this way, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Are you praying through your marriage? Listen, there are good marriages outside the walls of these buildings we gather in on Sunday. I meet people who have a good relationship, who are married and not walking with Jesus. But I don't know about you. If you, I mean, this right here, if I blended it up real good, it would still be good to eat, right? I mean, you could sell it, uh, put some ice cream in it, and people would eat it that way as well. But if you want to bake this up into cookies, the pretty important ingredient is the baking soda, right? You need a teaspoon of that because otherwise it's not really going to be a cookie. It's not going to rise. Jesus. Jesus is the, in the ingredient that makes all of this fit together well. What's left to do here is blend it all up real good. And if you want to make cookies that Jesus wouldn't eat, then you throw in a bunch of extra stuff like walnuts and junk like that. But you and I know these are the ingredients that you want in a chocolate chip cookie. Stir it up real well. Live your life well. Remember, it's not about the cookies. It's about the investment of time and intentionality toward that end. You probably noticed I'm wearing this that's got a logo on it, Grace Marriage. We're getting ready to launch a new opportunity for you and your spouse. It's called Grace Marriage. Mark and Sally 
Well, they're going to talk a little bit more about that. I invite you to lean in on this. And as you're listening to them talk, maybe you want to nudge your spouse and say, babe, we need to walk out to the lobby when this is done. We want to sign up for that. It's going to cost you a little something. But anything worthwhile costs, right? It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you a little bit of money. But it's going to be so worth it. And you're going to walk out here afterwards. You're going to pick up a chocolate chip cookie. We've got, yeah, we've got plates of chocolate chip cookies out there. You're welcome to help yourself to those and get some more information about a, an informational meeting that's going to happen tonight. They can give you all that information out there. And we're going to be launching this thing in a few weeks. You want to be a part of it. But right now, let's listen a little bit more to what they have to say. Couples who know the Lord and are really trying to serve the Lord together stay longer. They, they ride it out better. Okay. And they have more capacity to see restoration and forgiveness. We're getting better at this as a Christian subculture, but it used to be there was a stigma, oh, well, Christians don't go and see a counselor. I think people are seeing it as a form of self-care and a form of, you know, it's not always at crisis boiling point now. We see more people taking this as, okay, something's wrong, we need to repair and we need to take it on now. Yet, it doesn't still bode well that most couples come just for one session and they're already seven years in severe marital distress. That's where I say that our average for us as counselors is pretty poor considering how much distress is coming towards us by the time they hit one session. Prevention is three times better than intervention. Basically what Grace Marriage is trying to do is to say, hey, let's try to work on this in smaller increments, one time a quarter, and then so you're not okay. facing the crisis. Okay. You're not having to go to a marital counselor where it's now at an intervention level because things are at a boiling point. So, yeah, and it doesn't require that it's, you know, big lofty work. I think if people would just look at it as how can we be intentional maybe once a quarter yeah. and live with the goals that we want to make for the next 90 days, oh my goodness, how much it can really do a huge dose of relief. 2020 really put on the line how much we they're going to stick it out together or we're going to be divided. It's been a, a real shift that I've seen in this season where families either can stick it out together and they make it work, it, albeit tough, or they turn around and they say, we, we just can't make this work. It, it, you know, that it kind of, that was the tipping point for some families. And we also see even in extended families with division, not political, but just even in the idea of vaccination and how do we, you know, one partner says yes, the other says no. You know, there's just been a lot of um, ambiguous conflict. It's, it's things that we can't get a real resolve on and we have to go in faith and we're trying to convince one another of our thoughts, feelings, ideas, and opinions and it's not easy. Yeah. Grace Marriage is a quarterly event mm -hmm. that happens for about six hours. Mm -hmm. um, it's a forum for couples to come okay. where they get to focus on their marriages. Okay. And it's really intended for them to have face time their own conversations. It's not about necessarily sharing with the group, although your people are welcome to share amongst the group, but it's really built on eight to 10 couples in a okay. group led by a facilitator who also is participating in the group. Okay. And it's not a Bible study, small group, conference or retreat. So it's not, things are not presented to you, but it's really quality time with your spouse one-on-one 
having conversations and discussions. And it's okay. not counseling. So you wouldn't necessarily say, hey, this isn't for the marriage that's in crisis. Correct. This is for a, a good marriage that wants to be better. Yes. 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 It's really for the marriage that feels like it's being neglected in some way because the life, you know, that just bombards us all the time just keeps us from having that intentional time. Okay. And it comes from a place of setting goals. It's, it's really that you're walking away at the end of those six hours knowing here's what we're going to do for the next 90 days. Okay. This is how we're going to do in a small way to be intentional for each other and to extend that with grace. So grace marriage is really grace with intention makes a transformed and grace-filled marriage. That's kind of the way we want to see this. Okay. Tell me how you learned about this. What, what What's going on in your family, your life that grace marriage, I, I didn't know much about it, but I'm hearing great things about it. Yeah, I have a connection through uh, Christian Businessmen's Connection, CBMC, uh, Kurt Weibel, and uh, he found out that, you know, my wife was a counselor, so he reached out to Sally and uh, said that he wanted to expand uh, grace marriage into the area, and they had some conversation, and then we attended um, last year uh, three sessions, and we even brought a couple other couples from our church to learn uh, the process and what happens. And we saw a great transformation by being there as well as participants with our, with our own marriage. Yeah, and I think the way that Grace Marriage is structured, it's about gratitude. It's about intimacy. It's, it's about coming away with that commitment to invest in the next 90 days. So it's not trying to start from nothing. It's, it's starting with what we already have. And let's go and grow with that. Let's make it stronger. And, and do what we said we were gonna do, you know? And how do we see when the next 90 days comes and we have the next marriage, you know, grace marriage event that it's gonna come back around and we're gonna say, how did we do? Any good business has a vision, right? And we are yeah. business owners. Yeah. This church has to have a vision, right? Yeah. This is, grace marriage is trying to help couples cast their own vision. Sure. When marriages get better, families get better, mm -hmm. legacies happen. I'm appreciative of you guys today. Thank oh, you. Thank you.